Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 574. I know a hundred ways not to make a light bulb. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Harry Crixt. Harry, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, yes, sir, I am. I'm ready to go. All right. Great to have you here. Harry Crix is the co-founder and chairman of the new Atlanta Concours d'Elegance, taking place at the Chateau Elan Winery and Resort on October 8th and 9th. This inaugural event is sure to become one of the country's premier concours, where unique, rare, and valuable collections of vintage and classic automobiles will be displayed on the fairway of Chateau Elan. Don Panos is the honoree, and there'll be numerous events and features during this two-day event. Harry was the operations director at Amelia Island with Bill Warner, who's a former guest here on Cars Yeah, and Harry's active as a member at IMSA, SCCA, and BMW CCA. He's been involved in a number of high-level automobile restorations, race car prep, and served as a crew chief on a number of sports car racing teams. So, Harry, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career, your passion for automobiles, and the Concours at Atlanta? Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I am uh, actually a refugee from the high-technology sector. I spent most of my working life in IT and uh, spent a number of years in Europe with Hewlett-Packard, also spent three years with HP in South America. Wow. But all during that time, my avocation was automotive. I come from a long line of, if you will, mobile folks. My granddad was one of the first men to cross the United States in a, on a motorcycle in 1919. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. It is. I have some incredible pictures of him. I also have his diary from the time they left New York to the time they got to San Francisco. Wow. It is just an amazing, uh, uh, an amazing piece of work. So he did board track racing, and he was a hill climber, and he did the Circle of Death, and he did all of those things oh back in the in the twenties. My dad was equally as talented and equally a daredevil. My my dad raced late model modifieds. 
and was also a you know phenomenal engine builder engineer chassis guy i mean he was he was all of those things wow and i have two younger brothers both who are much faster than i am so uh, <laughs> unfortunately the older brother didn't win out on this one my brother jim raced in the scca for a number of years was a national racer was a regional champion in the southeast my brother john raced in the uh, radial, radial challenge series with imsa so uh, it is literally uh, gasoline in the blood yeah i was gonna say and uh, a little spark in the dna there with some uh, spark plugs as well so well very cool uh interesting background and then you're the guy that went off and did a real job if you will <laughs> compared to what the other guys are doing but I think we're going to have some fun here, and I'm really excited to have you on the show. I had your cohort, your co-founder for the Atlanta Concordia Elegance on the show yesterday, and uh, Bill got to share a lot with us. You're going to share even more with us today, so I'm really excited to have you here. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. Maybe it's some kind of life mantra, if you will. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? I know you love to drive, so Harry, take the wheel. You know, it's it's funny. I have a number of ones, but I think the one that I really like the best was a, a quote by Thomas Edison. It's credited to him, and it fits in so many different things. Edison is credited as saying, I know a hundred ways not to make a light bulb. <laughs> you know, that has always taught me you know, the value of persistence. You you must be, you know, you must be persistent. You must continue to stay after it. You know, whether it's racing or restoration, uh, if it's any of those things, you know, automotive, you, you must stay dedicated to it, you know, to get the job done. So, yes, uh, I may not know a hundred ways to make a light bulb, but I know a hundred ways not to do a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, I like that a lot because it's it's very entrepreneurial in its nature. And for taking on the task of putting on a new Concours event, oh my gosh. I mean, the challenges wrapped around this are immense. And I would assume that that mantra works pretty well for for this. Although you had a really nice teacher in Bill Warner. He was a guest here on the show. You worked at Amelia. So I would assume there's lots of things you learned during that experience. Well, and Bill and his organization, surrounded by very, very talented people, you know, wonderful cast and crew down there. Yeah. And, and so, yes, I am unabashed in thanking him for all that I learned there. Bill is a very, very interesting individual to work for. And to see his interaction with, uh, you know, with the people is just is wonderful. It really is. Very fortunate. I really had a great time talking with him. And I've known him for uh, quite a while now over the years, seen him at many events. So great mentorship, great lessons learned. Well, let's go back in time. I would love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. You grew up in a car family, so you were kind of born this way. But there must have been one point in time in your life, maybe when you were young or maybe when you are a little older, when you realized that you too, like your grandfather and your father and your brothers, were a car guy. Yeah, it was, you know, and it was kind of a you know, almost a baptismal type of situation where I can't really remember not being a car guy. I have very early memories of my father and grandfather in my granddad's garage, 
which, by the way, had a walk pit underneath the car. So oh, I mean, nice. It, yeah, it was one of those things that you you know have, has disappeared because you don't have to lubricate the bottom of a car anymore. But back in the day, that was something that you had to do. You actually had to you know hit the grease nipples and oh yeah, and do all those kinds of things. And I remember at a very very young age sitting on the fender with the hood open and both my grandfather and my father leaning in and pointing at different things on the engine and saying, "What is that?" What does it do? <laughs> Why is that? And I couldn't tell you how old I was at that point, but I remember that very fondly. And it stuck with me for literally my whole, my whole life. You are one lucky guy, that's for sure. So, Harry, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood, get our hands a little dirty. We just talked about that with your grandfather and your father. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way. Now, this could be in life, could be in your career, could be something in the planning for this new Concord in Atlanta. Take us there, take us to that painful place. But the most important part of this is how did you come out of that? How did you overcome it? And what did it teach you so that you could move forward? Yeah. Well, and it is, I think, the, you know, the painful events that you learn the most from, the successes, you wind up doing an awful lot of patting on the back, both yourself and the people around you, and you really don't dig into it as much as when things go sideways on oh, you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think the one thing that I learned, certainly in the economic downturn, uh, you know, a couple of years back, was having the right product, having all the correct components and having it at the right time does not ensure success. Mm. You know, sometimes there are world events that will conspire to knock you down and almost knock you out. It, yeah. it, 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 there's nothing in a sense that you can do about it. So the one thing that I learned is don't take it personally, get up, dust yourself off and begin again. I mean, that's, that to me is the, is at the very bottom of it. It's going to happen. And it's, it's going to happen in your personal life, your business life, your, you know, your hobby life, whatever it is. But make sure you have that resilience, if you will, and, and you know, to some degree, the, you know, persistence and perseverance. Get up, go do it again. There was a great documentary I saw the other day on Tower Records, and uh -huh. it, was, it was done by, by Colin Hanks, uh, Tom Hanks' son. Yes. And it teaches you that same lesson, regardless of how successful you are, regardless of how well prepared you are, something is going to come along that is going to be tidal. It's going to be Teutonic. The plates are going to shift. Things are going to happen. And you're going to have to find a new way. A great takeaway for me on this story, and I've had many guests here who dealt with the recession uh, in a lot of different ways. And a lot of them, it just completely knocked them off their feet. I had a guest who was on uh, earlier this week, Peter Larson, who lives in Copenhagen. He was in the music industry, and that was probably one of the first industries that was wiped out in one sense by this new industrial age I call the new technology age we're living in now, where it radically shifted the platform. And so many people, Tower Records is a good example, just gone. I mean, just yep. gone. And I think the ability to pivot is what your takeaway is from this is to pivot off of those bad times, those challenges, and find a new direction. Would that be your takeaway from this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. You think about Kodak as another one, that uh, they just stood fast and kept producing film, and nope, digital was here <laughs> to stay. So uh, 
Yeah, another giant behemoth that was just knocked on their can and they just, just couldn't see what was really coming. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a career aha moment. I like to say it's a time when those headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for a new direction, a new path, a new thought process you have. And tell us the steps you took that specific aha moment to make it a success. That had to have been on or around the uh, 2007 edition of the Amelia Island Concord Elegance. And uh, I was out early, you know, quarter after five in the morning and getting set up on show day. And I looked around and I said to myself, you know what? I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. <laughs> you know, there's 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 a certain part of me that goes, yeah, just how smart was that, pal? Just try it. <laughs> yeah, just try it. But yeah, there was the aha moment. I stood there thinking to myself, this is something I can do. Mm-hmm. Certainly not any place close to, you know, the east coast of Florida, but something maybe in my case closer to home in Atlanta and other reasons took me back to Atlanta, health reasons for my daughter who was undergoing cancer therapy at Emory Hospital here in Atlanta. Oh my goodness. And uh, she's fully recovered. Oh, thank Thank you for asking. Thank goodness. Yes. She's, yes, thank you. But that's what took Karen and I back to Atlanta, the seriousness of her, her cancer. And, and we had to come back. And when I got back, it was kind of funny because a, a number of people had said, you know, we don't have a concourse here in Atlanta. Yeah. And I said, yeah, wow, I know. And they said, you know, we really ought to do something about that. Harry, you know a lot of these people. Let's start to work on that. And uh, uh, Bill and I have been together longer than most people have been married. <laughs> Bill and I have been together way over 30 years. Uh, wow. And we, we worked together in South America. We worked uh, for Hewlett Packard. We worked for Client Server Labs. I mean, we did a bunch of stuff together. So obviously, I trust him implicitly. And he said something that you know still resonates with me. He said, "You know, either we're going to do this, or we're going to stop talking about it." <laughs> yeah. And I said, "All right, all right, let's do something about it." Yeah, and you did. You did. It's, it's very cool. I've had a number of guests here on Cars Yeah that are director of Concord. The earliest one was Tom McDowell, Concorso Italiano, of course, oh. spectacular event. Bill Warner, I mentioned Amelia Island, the Littles, uh, Beverly and Dennis from the Santa Fe Concours. Yep. Uh, yep. This year, I'm going to be a sponsor of the Boston Cup with Rich Doucette. That great event, Sandra Button, of course, Pebble Beach. Yep. We all yep. we all know that. Michael Dovier, La Jolla Concours, Alan Stevens, Forest Grove. The list goes on and on. And every one of them had very similar comments. I mean, after the event, they just go, "How did I do that?" I mean, it's just wow. And then we better start getting ready for next year. Yes. So- <laughs> Well, let's go back in time again. I'd love for you to share a proudest career moment with us. You've been in business. You've done so many different things for a long time now. I'm not calling you old. I'm just calling you seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you're classic. Let's say that. And uh, I would love for you to share one of your proudest career moments with us. Yeah. Surprisingly, uh, it was on Amelia Island, it was in Fernandina Beach, which is the the main city that's on Amelia Island. People don't don't separate the two, uh, Fernandina Beach and Amelia Island, because they are so integrated together. But there is a separate city down on the island, down on the north end of the island. So, and that's Fernandina Beach. My wife and I had purchased a failing business intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, knowing it, we turned it around. We wow. made it profitable, and we made it. Uh, 
really one of the, if you will, the must-see places on Center Street in downtown Fernandina Beach. It was called Last Flight Out. It was all about the glorious golden age of aviation. I'm also an aviation guy. My wife is a pilot. Oh, cool. My dad was a pilot. So, you know, there seems to be that close, if you will, symbiosis between uh, aviation and automobiles. Of course, yeah. Very, very close. So we basically rescued Last Flight Out. We turned it into a a money-making proposition. And quite frankly, in, in 2006... We turned it around to the point at which we were selected as business of the year on a million. Congratulations. Thank you. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah. People used to come from literally miles around to get stuff from last flight out. Wow. It, it helped the fact that we were catty corner across from the oldest bar in Florida. <laughs> well, that doesn't hurt. The Palace Saloon. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. if you're, uh, so we used to stay open real late on Friday nights so we could, uh, yeah. We, get the, uh, uh, how, how should I say, the uh, less than balanced uh, audience <laughs> that came in. They would come so, out and say, airplanes, that's cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we did a lot of, uh, you know, sports car and hot rod stuff. And yeah, they, yeah. that's how I got to meet the folks at, a, at the Amelia Island Concord. And, it, you know, it was, it was one of those things, again, hot rods, sports cars, really cool airplanes, you know, beach music and yeah. Caribbean music, it all just fit together. How fun. Sounds awesome. Congratulations to you and your wife for that. Fantastic. Let's have a little bit of fun here and go back in time again. I'd love for you to share your first really special car, that vehicle that you got that you went, ah, finally, finally, and maybe share a special memory you have with that car. You know, I don't think our listeners are going to sit there and go, oh, wow, really? Did that car? <laughs> You'd be surprised with what we've talked about here on Cars Yeah for the first car. <laughs> I had a 1963 Chevy 2 Nova Wagon that was a real honest-to-God surf wagon. Cool. I like that. It was complete with surf decals, roof rack, and nice real patina. Oh, wow. That was uh, more classified as ocean rust. <laughs> and my brothers and I had such a strong place in our heart for that car. Because it took us all up and down the coast of Florida yeah. surfing. And, and I think about that car, and, and it, was, it was really special to me. You know, it was really my first car that you, know, you didn't have to borrow from mom. Right. And, you, know, you didn't, didn't have to borrow my dad's shop truck. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, so this, this 63 Chevy 2 Nova Wagon. You know, wow. And I would kill to have it back because of all the... Uh, all the great surf decals that were on the uh, on the back windows. Yeah, well, you and I share something here, Harry. I grew up in Southern California. I was a surfer, and my first car was a 67 Chevy Nova. Oh, no! Yeah, wasn't as cool as a wagon. Now, that would have been cool, although I couldn't have had any dates because as soon as you pull up in front of a, a guy's house to pick his daughter up in a, wa- a station wagon, you're in trouble. But mm. uh, Mine was a four-door. It belonged to a little old lady. It was, uh, I called it the mobile wave because it was the color of the ocean, kind of a metallic blue-green color. Had, oh, yeah. Had yeah. those old surf racks like your car probably had on the top, those with the bungee cords that stretched yep. across. And Yeah, and it was a great car for me and my buddies because I was a little older, so I was the first one in my class to drive. We could, you know, put five guys in there, stack boards on top. You throw your dirty, yep. sandy wetsuits in the back trunk, no big deal. Yep. And uh, we go even go down to uh, Baja, California, Mexico, south of Tijuana and that thing and surf for the day and camp out on the beach. So, yep. yeah, we share something there. Very cool. I like very it. Very cool. See? Very, very cool. See? That was cool. No yeah. embarrassments there. <laughs> 
How about Seller's Remorse? Now, here's the sad tale of the other end of this story. Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you could have back? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's... Sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I, <laughs> he's weeping right yeah, now. Yeah, I can hear the tears. Why is he weeping? Yeah. I had a, a 1968 Mustang Fastback 302. It was a four-speed car, mm-hmm. and it was bullet green, and it had had Keystone mags on it. It mm-hmm. was it was essentially a clone of the movie car. Ah. That car gathered a crowd wherever I went. I I, yeah. I got stopped by the cops in Fort Lauderdale and Delray Beach and <laughs> Boca and up and down the co- I mean I got stopped all the time. And the funny part of it was is nobody wanted to you know that the cops didn't want to stop and ticket me. They wanted to look at it. Yeah. You know? Oh so yeah. It was a great car. And another friend of mine offered me a spectacular 63 MGB and I had to uh I had to sell the 68 Mustang to buy the MGB and uh, mm. I was still in college at the time and I sold it to the neighbor's kid and a week later he totaled it. Uh, and uh, repeat after me. Yeah. Never should have sold it. Yeah, you know so, Harry, again, we're gonna. Our listeners are gonna think this is planned. I had a '66 GT350 Shelby Mustang. Oh, it was a clone. It was a clone. I'll add that caveat, but it was a really nicely done one. And uh, I, I couldn't get gas in that thing without having a 30 minute conversation with yeah. somebody. Everybody just loved that thing. Yeah, it was a really nice, fun car. And yeah, I wish I hadn't let it go, but. Uh, Sometimes things in life come along and there's other cars in our future. Mine was a Porsche 911 that that car made way for. So I get it. MG's cool. MG's are cool. My dad had MG's when I was a little kid, so I like that. Well, let's talk about today. I want you to share a little bit more with our listeners about the Atlanta Concorde Elegance. Now, your buddy Bill told us a lot about the show, but one of the aspects of this, I know that you're somewhat philanthropic and you love the concept of the Atlanta Community Tool Bank, which is one of the Concorde designated Uh charities for Alzheimer's Association. So talk a little bit about that, but I'd love to get your perspective on this new inaugural event so that those listeners out there that would like to go down to Atlanta and see this, again, taking place October 8th and 9th, sell us on it, baby. Sell it on us so we can all come down there and have some fun. Well, you mentioned one of my one of my all-time favorites and that's the Atlanta Community Tool Bank. It is a charity which essentially helps other charities. Mm, okay. The Atlanta Community Tool Bank is a not-for-profit that in their association are just not-for-profits. So if you've got a girls club or a boys club, you've got your church choir, you've got your community group and let's say you want to go clean something up. You want to go, you know, paint the Civic Center. You want to go uh, work down. Well, you're going to need tools for that. Right. You're going to need rakes and shovels. You're going to need garbage bags and, and gloves, you know, very unglamorous kinds of things. Well, most, you know, most 5013Cs, you know, most nonprofits don't have those kinds of things. The Atlanta Community Tool Bank has those kinds of things. Mm. Uh, you know, they've got over a 50,000 square foot warehouse that's got wheelbarrows in it and rakes and shovels and everything that you could imagine. Mm-hmm. And they rent that gear to other not-for-profits. Oh, So cool. in order for you to be a member, you have to be a not-for-profit. I see. The great part about that is we, by helping the Atlanta Community Tool Bank, help, you know, another 60, 70, 80 not-for-profits around 
the uh, city of Atlanta. And that's important to me. I mean, it's very important to me. It's something that I certainly learned at the Amelia with the Northeast Florida Hospice and the relationship that the Amelia Foundation has with Northeast Florida Hospice. Mm -hmm. So we have this relationship with the Atlanta Community Tool Bank. And on Saturday night, we have this great uh, dinner cocktail party that's honoring Don Panos. And for the benefit of the Alzheimer's Association, which again is a you know is a great charity to right. include. Very cool. Well, I know also a big part of your challenge with putting this event on is you're in charge of getting the cars out there, finding <laughs> the people. So tell our listeners a little bit of what, about the cars and the collections they would expect to see at this event. Well, I think the first thing that came as a great shock to me was how many, if you will hidden collections there are here in the metro area mm. uh you know we're, we're in a city of of eight million people and that's pretty big in of itself and there are plenty of hot rods and muscle car shows that go on here in the southeast i mean this is you know quite frankly the home of uh, of muscle cars here right it was surprising how many very rare packards you know very rare duesenbergs uh, pebble winners Amelia winners, uh, Hilton Head winners that are stuck away. And it was even more impressive how many multiple car collections are owned by individuals here in in the area. So that's been very good. I have told, you know, many, many people, you can have a very A-class event here and really never go outside a 50-mile radius of downtown Atlanta. We have some spectacular cars here. I'll remind our listeners, I talked about a little bit yesterday, you're expecting 180 to 200 entrants, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And about 80% of these cars have already achieved major-level winning status at other events. So you're going to see some cars that you've seen, as you mentioned, at some of these other very high-level events. There's going to be that 600-person gala. We talked a little bit about uh, a quarter-million-dollar panels vehicle that's going to be auctioned off, which is, (laughs) whoa, that's pretty darn incredible. You've already got 35 to 40 sponsors, 12 OEMs doing these ride and drives, which is absolutely incredible. There's going to be some cool barn find cars there. Is that true? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the fun part is I have I've gotten the word out to a number of collectors and investors and said, look, if you find something this summer that you either intend to take back and, and restore or whatever, before you do that, Please, you know, please bring it to the show. We have a uh, very, really incredible Packard Phaeton that will be Mm, here. Nice. That is a running and driving automobile that was found literally in a chicken coop (laughs) up in up in Rome, Georgia. Wow. And the owner is not doing anything to the car other than maybe shoveling out some of the chicken poop, (laughs) removing some chickens. (laughs) Yeah, removing and the chickens, but to go with it. But the idea is to show that you know the car is very, very, (laughs) you know, it's very unusual that it's still in all in one piece. Very cool. Well, this is going to be so exciting. What a fantastic event. Thanks for sharing all that. Here's a very introspective question for you, Harry. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I like the way you dropped off there at the end. And why? And why? Yes. That's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. If I morphed into a, a car, what kind of car would I be? Exactly. I've got a pretty solid answer for that. I would be and I'll explain why in just a second. <laughs> I would be an Aston Martin DB4 Zagato. Oh, my. Okay, you've hit 
you've hit one that I love, so it's awesome. Well, here's my reasoning. It's sophisticated, certainly for the time period. You know, the the late 50s, early 60s, it's sophisticated in that sense. We certainly can't put it up against a supercar today. There's no question about that. But Mm -hmm. it's a real gentleman's grand touring coupe. You know, it really fits that bill. It is grand touring in the broadest sense of the word of GT. Yeah. The part that I like about it, too, is it's rare. It's it's more rare than a Ferrari 250 GTO. You know, there were less of the DB4 Zagato, the GT version, mm-hmm. produced than there were the Ferrari 250, the, GT, the GTO. Yeah. So it is rare. Mm-hmm. And I... <laughs> I consider myself to be pretty rare. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Certainly, if you'd ask my wife, she'd double that. Yeah, roll her eyes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. But it was also very fast for its time. Mm-hmm. To me, it's the best combination of sophisticated coach building with, you know, solid underpinnings. There you go. You know, again, a real gentleman's coupe. Yeah, nice. Let's face it. You're guaranteed to be the only one at the party. I think so, yeah. Italian style with British moxie. So, oh, yeah. Well, I'm a big Zagato fan anyway, whatever Zagato makes. Right. But more importantly, the Aston Martin DB4 Zagato to me is, is, the, is the car I would be. Yeah, you know, that car to me, I look at the Ferrari 250 short wheelbase as such a beautiful car. But the, the four with the Zagato body is like the icing on the top of the SWV. It's just, ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Love it. <laughs> Great answer to that question. Thank you. So, Harry, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts? around the globe, I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Harry, we're back, and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give me some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Get a professional pre-purchase inspection before the deal goes down. Oh, yes. I'll save you so much misery for sure. No question. (laughs) Yeah. Or take a friend along to talk you out of the purchase. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Take a- I've been that friend. Uh, a lot of people say, Mark, would you come with me and talk me out of this? Because I'm going to get the red <laughs> mist in my eyes here. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? 
Yeah, it's and it's simple. And I tell people this and they go, you're kidding. And I said, no, it, it's true. And that is when you get up in the morning, make your bed. <laughs> make your bed. Because if the day goes to hell that day, and it will, you can proudly say to yourself, I have had one task that I accomplished to my credit before everything went awry. Yeah. I'm a big believer in get out of bed and make your bed in the morning. Yeah. You know, my father-in-law, who we lost a few years ago, bless his soul, such an awesome guy. He was a Marine for 33 plus years. And I remember him saying the same thing. They would teach the Marines, make your bed in the morning first thing you do, because you're right. If everything else goes to hell in a handbag, at least you've done one thing right. Well, it, and it will, you know, it, you <laughs> yeah. know, it'll, it'll rain, it'll, it'll snow, it'll, you know, the, the car will have a flat tire, you'll get soaked to death. I mean, all of those things will happen. And I think the one thing, it, it sounds trivial, but it leads to other things getting done. Yes. It's a good way to start. Yeah. Good practice. That's why we should teach all our kids to do that when they get out of bed. Absolutely. Do you have a resource that you would like to share with the listeners? I'm a big fan of Jean Jennings. Ah, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you know Jean. I don't know her. Um, I have contacted her. She will be a guest in the future uh, here at Cars, um, yeah. So, yeah, I can't wait to talk to Jean. My God, I love Jean. She is, and her, her, I'll plug her website, you know, jeanknowscars.com. Right. She is the queen of cars as far as I'm concerned. She's a buddy of mine from Amelia and, quite frankly, tells it like it is in the very unbuttered way that the old car and driver and automobile magazine used to do it. So, you know, I'm a big fan of hers. And plus her sense of humor, she never fails to make me laugh. I mean, she <laughs> just, you know, she just got a, a again, a, a, a great sense of humor and great insight and knows everybody in the car biz and knows everything about it. So yeah, yeah my deal is check out jeanknowscars.com. Uh, I've enjoyed her uh, her writing for many, many years. So yeah, I can't wait to have her on the show. Now, about a book, is there a book that you've read recently that you'd like to share with the Car Show listeners? Yeah, A.J. Bamey's book. Ah, Go Like Hell. No. No, another one? No, 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 not Go Like Hell, although I did enjoy Go Like Hell. <laughs> the other book that, that A.J. wrote is called Arsenal of Democracy. Ar- oh, oh, yes, of course. Awesome book, yeah. You know, it's a great retelling of the Ford dynasty, yes. you know, leading up to World War II and, and how, again, perseverance, yep. how Etzel Ford overcame, you know, a tyr- you know, tyrannical father. I mean, his father was yep. out of his mind when he was dying at the end. And plus the fact, you know, it's not, it, it's not only that perseverance, but quite frankly, the aircraft industry wouldn't be what it is today, and certainly the American aircraft industry Mm -hmm. wouldn't be what it is today, had it not been for Etzel Ford showing them really how to do it and taking the automotive assembly technology, you know, quite frankly, to the war machine and more specifically to the, uh, you know, the building of the Liberator and and that whole thing. Great book. Yeah. Yeah. AJ did a great job. Awesome. Yeah, that's been recommended by some other guests here. I'm so glad you brought it up again because uh, most people remember that Go by go Like Hell book, but uh, that other book, oh my gosh, great read. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources that Harry's been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Harry Cricks. His last name is K-R-I-X. And there's another great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books where this book and the past 573 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, Harry, we are up to the checkered flag in this last question. 
can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other stuff with, so don't be thinking about Ferrari GTO or Zagato, even though if you want the Zagato, but you got to keep it, got to enjoy it, got to drive it, but money is no object. I'm getting out the big checkbook today. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? <sighs> ah, making you think. That's good. <laughs> I, you know, I am a, I'm a huge fan of, of Jim Hall. Ah, Chaparral. And of all the Chaparrals, I, I was very uh, fortunate to have met Jim and chatted with him one year. And he told me that his favorite was, is my favorite, was the Chaparral 2E. It was, you know, the quintessential aerodynamic race car. You know, all around, world car builders were just shocked. They couldn't perceive, you know, the strength and the, uh, you know, the genius that went into the Chaparral 2E. It was, it was light years ahead of everything else that was being produced at the time. Ferrari, in effect, just threw his hands up, and I, I can't. <laughs> I you give know, up. I, I'm sorry. You know, Ford did the same thing. Uh, I, I, we can't know. So, uh, you know, they literally had to out-litigate him, and, and, and that's what happened to Jim. Yeah, yeah. But Jim combines, in that car, the real balance of beauty and function and it more than anything else, it sort of personifies the great American kick-ass ingenuity. You know, yeah. I mean, it really does. Porsche had nothing close. Uh, BMW was a, a dot on the horizon. Ferrari was, who cares? Ford was close, but they were spending billions of dollars. You know, you know the 66 Chaparral 2E, that would have to be my, I, and I'd keep it in the garage, too. I'd invite you over. I'd invite you over. <laughs> we, could, we could go take a ride. We could go to the track and, yeah, do, we some could go lap, to the track. do some laps and that thing. Yeah, I was so fortunate to be at Laguna Seca during one of the uh, Monterey Car Weeks where they had a bunch of his cars there. That car was sitting there. I remember Vic Elford crawling into that car. Another Drop another name here. He's been a guest here on Cars, yeah, and, and taking that thing out for some laps and just standing there and looking at the history. I remember building a model of it when I was a kid. <laughs> Yeah, you picked an awesome car. Wow, very nice. Well, Harry, you've taken me on an awesome ride, talking about great laps around the track in that Chaparral 2E. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better today, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey. And, of course, a lot of things about the new Atlanta Concordia, the Elegance. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the track in that Chaparral 2E? Yeah. Nice thought, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that is a nice thought. Yeah. Well, we are we are at a brilliant resort. We are at a, a just a just a great five-star kind of place. We have lots of room to show some of the best, you know, automobilia in the in the country. Mm -hmm. We have some exceptional automobiles coming. You know, we've got some really nice folks that have helped us all along the way. I I'm I'm very pleased to have you know, the kind of team behind me that I, I think it really takes to do something like this at this level. I don't think anyone will be disappointed. I think they'll be uh, rather surprised at an inaugural event that has this this uh, sort of depth. So we're looking forward to it. I am too. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the Atlanta Concorde Elegance? www.atlanta concourse c-o-n-c-o-r-s no e dot o-r-g there so, you go there well, you go awesome well listeners again you can find links to everything harry's been so kind to share 
On his very own show notes page at carsdad.com, just type Harry in the search bar or type Harry Cricks again, K-R-I-X in there, and that page will pop up with all these links. I would encourage you to check out the website. The, number one, the website that you guys built is absolutely beautiful, spectacular. Oh, thank you. Really, really nicely done. Go there, check it out. And if you can get to Atlanta this October 8th and 9th, you need to go there. I'm going to make every effort to be there myself. It's going to be so much fun. Can't wait. Harry, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and with the Carshow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you at the Atlanta Concours d'Elegance. Thanks, Mark. It was a real pleasure. And uh, some very thought-provoking questions. Thanks for the opportunity. It was uh, it was really good. Thank you. Cool. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.